When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. everybody what is going on it's trade deadline eve the trades are coming what's up kiffin <laughs> making so, young kings yeah, fans food that's right there you go so for everybody uh joining in um this will be i believe the first time i've done this i think we tried doing one of these a little bit ago um pretty much super informal let's just talk some kings hockey why not it's got some good stuff going on uh it's been a uh, I guess an, a roller coaster type of year for the Kings, I would say. Pretty good start, opening night, and then one five and one uh, starts of the season. And ever since then, it's been a roller coaster ride. And the last week has kind of been on downturn, downturn. But we'll make it through. We'll make it through. And uh, today has been a. I, I, I like this week. Yeah, Sorry, I, go ahead. Kevin. I, I like the Troy Stetcher deal for today, and I, you know, I've been. I've been watching and a little concerned. Uh, de- depleting the blue line is the absolute uh, way to get people con- people worried. But I think uh, I think King's Twitter is ablaze with hot takes, and uh, you know um, that one five and one start was concerning. I just I think we're I think it's going to be interesting. I'd like to hear from other people what they think. But I feel like I'm one of the people definitely who has gotten into the let's buy mode because we're doing so well. And now that we're here at the deadline, I'm starting to go, well, you know, honestly, maybe not. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think uh, you're definitely not in the minority there. I'm pretty sure every Kings fan kind of just watching the team as a whole play since the start of 2022 is where they really kind of been on the upturn has really shown that they're able to be a playoff team and a playoff contender really going into the end of the season. 
And then all of a sudden injuries happen and you see a, a deal like the Troy Stetcher deal. We'll get into that later on. But just to kind of go over what I'm pretty much expecting or what I expect from this Twitter space is super informal. I want to open up the floor. So anybody that wants to talk, anybody that has a question about anything, wants to ask me a question, wants to ask Kif- Kiffin, we'll have other hockey royalty fellers on. Um, yeah, just go ahead and hit me up. I'll open the floor, let you speak. I'm always open to anyone's opinion. That's how I am on Twitter. You guys know how I am. I'll, I'll answer whatever you guys go, got going on. But, yeah, that's uh, starting off with the Troy Stetcher deal. Let's uh, let's talk about that. Um, I guess it was really kind of something that's not really surprising with how the Kings have – what's going on with the Kings the last week and a half or so. Um, we all know about all the injuries that's been going on that's plagued the, King, the Kings uh, roster. Um, so this move kind of – it really is kind of unfortunate because you, you look at it and you're like, okay, Drew Doughty is probably going to be out a little bit longer than we expected. And I kind of had that feeling. Just I, So I was at the practice. The practice they came back from their previous road trip, I think, in Boston where he got hurt. I was at that practice and I was watching him skate around and I was just looking at him. And you can just tell that something was off with his hand. And – and sure, no, it was it wasn't wasn't a surprise that we we wasn't practicing. Everybody kind of knew he got hurt, but I can just tell it was just really like trying to use it almost as like maybe the training staff maybe told him like, hey, like just go easy on it. We're gonna hold you off this probably in the next game or two, but just go on, go easy on it. We'll let you skate, um, but try not to use it. And you can tell like Drew Doughty's Drew Doughty. You can you can try to tell him to um, to kind of take it easy a bit but he's gonna want to go out go all out even if it's just a little practice so when I was watching him practice and I just saw that he was trying to give it a little bit more throughout the the time of the skate and you just couldn't do it so to see this stature deal come in it just kind of signifies that he's probably going to be expected to be out a little bit longer so that's a little bit of a down a downfall there or kind of concerning but just to talk about Troy Stetcher and what he, what I think he brings to this team. I mean, it's looking back at it from his time when he was in Vancouver. I mean, he and Alex Edler pretty much were kind of buddy buddy when they were playing together on the ice. So now that you have Edler coming back from an injury, you bring in some familiarity for him with Troy Stetcher coming in. That's only going to pretty much help elevate both their games. I mean, Troy Stetcher, he's, He's got. He doesn't have a lot of offensive flair to his game. It seems like, but he has a little bit, and I think that's something that can. Um, oh, here's a, here's my boy Pavel. I know he's got a little bit more insight. He's the one who wrote the article at Hockey Royalty. I'll let him dive a little bit more into the Stetcher deal. But yeah, just to kind of finish, finish up my thoughts on it, I I just think it's a good move and it's a depth move that the Kings really need because, I mean, you look at players like Jordan Spence and. Um, Christian Malinen and, and Austin Strand, what they've been able to bring as more of like just piece filler pieces for the time being. I mean, Jordan Spence just just to kind of go over his game. I mean, he's he's going to be a stud in the NHL. I mean, he's he's offensive threat. He's just for him to get these couple of games in the in the NHL. I mean, out of nowhere and unexpectedly has been. I think is really going to help his development and. He's um, for someone who's not really expected to come in and make a jump with the Kings or make an impact with the Kings. I think it's been good for him to get these games, but to have Troy Stetcher come in, who's that veteran presence, is only going to help even more. Um, Pavel, do you want to dive into that a little bit more on what you think Troy Stetcher brings to the team? I'm so ready to hear this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> buddy? Um, yeah, so I personally love the 
Troy Te- uh, Troy Troy Stetcher acquisition. Um, I think with the injury bug that's hit the Kings, it's very important to bring in uh, defensive depth, and especially you've seen it in recent games. But the defensive structure has completely fallen apart, left and right, front center. So bringing in a guy who's defense first, especially the last couple of years with Detroit here, uh, it's really important. And I mean, you know, there's there's so much to say about Troy Stetcher, um, good and bad, obviously. Uh, there's a reason why he didn't go for a first-round pick and he went for a seventh. But I think one of the biggest parts about him going for a seventh um, was because of his injury, which caused him to miss a few months. And um, he's only played 16 games this year, only one goal, one assist. But he's played a really good game uh, this year. Um, I mean, last year he had 4.5 goals above replacement, 0.8 uh, wins above replacement, which is... It was pretty good for a defenseman who who was supposed to be making one point seven million. Um, he draws penalties often, which which is something noticeable because of his five ten figure. Um, I mean, you you see him he you see him at five ten and you think you know he's a short guy he's he's not going to achieve too much but you know he, he I don't think you should underestimate this guy. I mean he's five ten he's not going to lay a hit he's not going to make a big you know big big hit or drop the gloves or anything like that but. He's really strong on the puck. He's never afraid to match up with with bigger players, with guys that are like six five, six four. He's always he's great in front of the net, especially with his matchups and everything and everything like that. And uh, this year, he's seventh on the Red Wings in Corsi with uh, minus zero point two seven, which is which on a depleting team like that is is pretty good. Um, he's got the highest isolated. Uh, blocks per 60 on the entire Red Wings with uh, 3.52. Um, you know, when it comes to penalty killing, I think he, he's gotten a shot on the penalty kill with the Red Wings this year and last year. But, I mean, try him on the penalty kill if you'd like, but if it doesn't work, it's it's fine. Um, he's not really a penalty killer. He's just a good defensive defenseman, like a depth, like a depth you know, Six seven player, um, as I mentioned, he he matches up with big players well. He's never afraid to go against the big guy. He's never afraid to go to bat, go into the corners for a battle. It's he's just for his five ten figure. He's he's really strong and he's he's really really strong. Uh, anyways, shoot. Um, oh, and the best thing about him is that his stick in the defensive zone is always active. He's always looking for lanes to cover. He's always looking to make a poke check, and having a good defensive stick is always important for a guy like him. You know, a guy that can't really mm-hmm. make a big hit or he or you know stand up for for the goalie or, or whatever like that. But that's the best part about having an active stick is just making sure that uh, he's got the def- uh, he's got the off- offensive uh, side covered, and uh, he's always looking to you know take away off uh, other passes and make that defensive play. So we're we're talking Norris Trophy, right? We're, we're <laughs> the way I described him, yeah. Um, but he's still got a few issues. His offensive game really struggles. He's, he's he doesn't score as much as he needs to. Uh, he shoots the puck a lot, but it doesn't always go in. Um, obviously, offensive positioning is quite an issue. He's never in the right position to make that play. Um, you saw how crafty he is, though. Like that goal he scored for Team Canada, where he went through the legs and made that pass 
we haven't seen much of that from the NHL. We haven't seen him, you know, try something creative like that in the big leagues. And I don't know if it's just something with his confidence that's off or an issue like that, but it's definitely something that he needs to work on. And I think that's why he went for solo is just because he generates so little in the offensive zone. Okay. That's, that's, that all sounds pretty good. And it's really something that the Kings are kind of lacking. Um, I see uh, so there's a couple of people that are requesting uh, to talk. Um, yeah, we'll get to you in just a second. Um, just to kind of finish up my thoughts on Stetcher, I was I was really trying to think, think about other things that maybe he can kind of bring to the team as opposed to just maybe some continuity um, being paired with Alex Edler. But I, actually, I brought up his uh, penalty kill stats um, during his t- last two years from 2017 to 2019 in Vancouver, and it looks like he averaged about about a buck thirty time on ice per game shorthanded. So I'm not sure. I don't have the stats. I'd have to look up the stats even more on terms of how he was on the penalty kill. But it looks like he does have some experience um, killing some penalties when he was with Vancouver. And I'm sure a lot of that was probably with Alex Edler. So maybe you have um, some chemistry there that's really going to have to help out the penalty kill. Because I mean, yeah, well, guys, Edler... we, we all know. We all know how bad the penalty kill is right now for the Kings. <laughs> I mean, special teams all as a whole is just – ridiculous at this point it's just not surprising how bad they've been at each game at each passing game right now so hopefully he can help right there and they and they played together they for the for three out of four years in vancouver um edler played with stetcher on the lineup including in their 2020 playoff run which saw them lose to the vegas gold knights in game seven of the second round so they're very familiar with each other uh stetcher's talked about how big of a how big of like a role model Edler has been for him. And I think, you know, Stetcher was incredibly, like, much better than he was in Detroit with in Vancouver playing alongside Alex Edler. And I think the only option for Stetcher here is to play with Alex Edler. Yeah, yeah, that's how, that's really the only place I see him playing. I mean, especially if you're going to have a player coming in, I would, I would expect him to be at practice tomorrow. I would expect him to probably be in the game on, or I mean, most likely be in the game on Tuesday. So, to have him come in and to a new team and play with a player that he's played um, a couple years with already. I mean, that's only going to help. And I'm sure that's something Rob Blake um, thought about when he was bringing him in. I appreciate um, that, Pavel. Well, I have, uh, there's a couple people that are, there's a couple people that are requesting um, some time. So I think based LA was the first one. Let me figure out. I'm still trying to figure out how to do this. Uh, <laughs> All right. Thanks, Russell. You there, Bass? Yes, I am. Hey, guys. I just just got a quick question for Pavel. So, with Troy Stetcher and the available defenseman on the market, what tier would you classify him as? Would he be in the same tier as a Luke Shen? Because I know that Vancouver fans are bandying about Luke Shen going for a second-round pick, third-round pick. And I know that Stetcher's been Oof. very, very injured over the past two years. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if his upside surpasses what is available on the market. Yeah, I mean, I think getting him for a seventh round pick was fantastic. I mean, and there's literally no risk. I mean, he's an upcoming unrestricted free agent. He's got he's making one point seven million dollars this year. And for a seventh-round pick, and I mean, with a loaded already prospect pool, there's literally no loss. Um, 
but I mean, compared to like you said, Luke, Sh- I think Luke Shen does have the up- upper side. He's really proved himself as a good player, like a really good like bottom four defenseman on a playoff team. Um, and the physicality is obviously on Shen's side, but um, I think Stetcher's got potential to really be worth more than a seventh round pick. We saw what he did in Vancouver, and I'm sure like if he was moved. If he didn't, you know, if Vancouver didn't, if Vancouver did qualify him, I have a feeling they could have gone as high as like a third round. I mean, Travis Hamnick went for a third round pick today. So getting, getting, getting a stature for a seventh is, is phenomenal. But I think he's really got potential to revive his career. It's, it's been awful for him in Detroit, admittedly, and he hasn't lived up to expectations, but playing with Edler here, and I think, Compared to some other guys, I think he's a really good third-pairing guy. And I know we have already a stockpile of third uh, right-handed defensemen with like Clark coming in and Faber and still Dowdy. I'd like to see Stetcher come back on a one-year contract where he could be a seventh defenseman on this team. Yeah, that would, that would be interesting. I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what Rob Blake, obviously we're trying to figure out what he's going to do in the future. And, and most likely this off season is going to be probably one of the most important off seasons of his tenure as general manager. Um, I don't really see Stetcher coming back as a seventh defenseman. Like I me, mean, like, like all the players you just mentioned, Brock Faber, Brant Clark, um, look what Sean Dursey has been able to do this year. He's kind of solidified a role for the future of this team going forward. Um, so I, I'm not, I think this is more of just kind of like a filler role to help with the team um, toward the end of the season. Or one of our Making It Rain hosts, Mr. Joe, wants to chime in. What's up, Joe? Hey, how you doing, Russ? Thanks. Appreciate it. I uh, I really, actually, I just want to kind of piggyback off of Pavel. I think he's he said a lot of good things about stature, and I think what I would um, look for in stature with the Kings is kind of his his transition play, his, his kind of his zone exits, um, and looking at some of the data on all three zones, he's really good on the zone exit. Uh, point of view and as, as well as zone entry. So he may not be the, the, you know, the big flashy, sexy player or anything like that, but he's going to be a guy I think that quietly is able to transition pucks from the D zone, get it into the neutral zone and start the offense for the Kings. So, uh, I would look for him to be more of kind of an under the radar type of guy that's, that's just making those, uh, those subtle plays. And a quick comment on the, the Luke Shen. I would, I would take Stetcher over Shen. 10 days out of 10. So yeah. I, I think as far as that goes, it was a, I'd, I'd much rather, particularly for the cost. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not the big, the big name guy that people have been bandied about, but uh, I think he's a, you know, a quietly under the radar, but should be effective defenseman. Yeah. And I think those, those um, zone exits are huge. I mean, especially for a team like the Kings that play a one, three, one style of hockey where you're forcing dump-ins. So you need to be yes. good at those at, to be able to get loose pucks in your own zone and be able to make that first pass out to whether it be the centerman or your defensive partner, whoever's open. I mean, that's going to be huge, and hopefully you can help out with the, with the team. Um, our, the other Making It Rain host, Mr. Randon, wants to chime in. What's up, Randon? What's going on, my man? Yeah, I think this also shelters the, the, the rain a little bit, um, you know, in, in their playoff run as well. Uh, you have Brock Faber most likely going pro after the season. And, you know, uh, the Kings have shown that they want to uh, protect their prospects as much as they can and ease them along. And, and that might always not be the right decision or the the water decision from fans, but it helps, you know, the lights of Brock Faber 
um, to to come in and not be expected to play minutes in LA and can go straight to uh, Ontario, and it just kind of gives them more depth on the right side with the injuries being, uh, you know, not really a defined amount of time, and and so it allows not only the Kings to strengthen the blue line and 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 make it into the playoffs, but the the keep the rain uh, at the hunt for the number one seed in the Pacific. So I think it's a good move on both sides, especially for such little cost. Yeah, and and that's kind of what I just mentioned with Jordan Spence because I mean he's been excellent in terms of just being able to jump in and and play a vital role for the Kings in these last couple of games, and it's it's really a role that I would say he probably shouldn't be playing right now. I mean he's been doing well, but to expect him to be playing twenty twenty plus minutes in the NHL uh, for the type of play, game that he plays, that's not really something that he should be developing into right now. But I mean it's great for his development; it should be good um, going forward. What's up, Kiffin? Um, I was actually – I was thinking to myself it would be pretty cool to actually see Spence and uh, Spence and Stetcher play together. I mean, the obvious pairing is Edler and Stetcher, but I, I'd like to see what Stetcher could could give Spence as far as, you know, creating opportunities to go a bit more north-south and having somebody back behind him who can, you know, really defend defend the – our blue line – or, you know, the Kings blue line um, while letting him jump into the play. I think that would be a great pairing to watch. Yeah, I think uh, it would be interesting. I, I know Stetcher and Spence, I think they both play on the the right side, so we'd probably have to have Spence move to the left, which he actually did at the Arizona Rookie Faceoff at the beginning of the season. I thought he played really well. He and Sean Dursey kind of piggybacked off each other throughout that whole tournament. But, yeah, that's something that um, Jordan Spence could probably help out with and or Stetcher could probably help Jordan Spence out with. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm pretty much expecting Edler and Stetcher to be paired up together for the first couple of games and we'll see what happens when players start getting healthy. Maybe see if Stetcher actually does have a spot on the Kings when everyone's fully healthy. That'll be something um, interesting to see. We have a couple more people that are requesting. Uh, looks like my boy Augie wants to chime in. What's up? What's up, Augie? Wait for him to connect here. I am here. Sorry about that. Got a little bit of a what's delay up, here. Uh, no what's that, Russell? Am I coming? The floor is yours. Oh, Go ahead. I'm good. Am I coming through okay? You're good. Oh, perfect. Hey, uh, thanks for uh, setting this up. I love this concept of using Twitter space in order for everybody to uh, talk and uh, hear our thoughts and share them out here as opposed to being limited by the amount of characters on Twitter. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, my view on this, I think this was a fantastic under-the-radar move. Uh, one of the things that I like about it is the EV on it. I mean, the expected value of this, of uh, getting some more NHL experience on the blue line. On top of that, uh, Stetcher brings an element that's been kind of missing uh, out there on the Kings. The guy is, I guess you can kind of call him a defensive version of Blake Lazat in the sense that he uh, undrafted, the guy had to work hard. He's five foot ten, but he tries to play like he's six foot three. Uh, he's not afraid to use his body. Uh, he's got some skill out there, and to get a guy like this that's got a little bit of sandpaper to him, and he's not afraid to go toe to toe or match up uh, with bigger guys, like Pavel pointed out. Uh, this is a, a nice move. Uh, seventh round pick, no problem. You get to. Uh, address the uh, blue line depth. He's uh, low cost and he's going to bring something that uh, we're missing. 
and hopefully he can uh, kind of help these kids grow and give them a little bit of room to take some more risks and not be afraid that if they make a mistake, they're on a one-way bus, uh, one-way uh, way bus back to Ontario. <laughs> yeah, I think that that'll definitely take a little bit of pressure off um, some of the rookies who's had who've had to step in. Um, but yeah, I, I, Stetcher's got he's got a little bit of flash to his game too. I, I remember watching during the World Championships last year. Um, when he was on Canada, he and Mangiapane were kind of like the big dynamic duo um, in terms of forward defense uh, duo for Team Canada. Um, and it was a team that Gabe Velarde was on as well. Um, I think there was another king on that team. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, they were. They, he looked really good in that, in that um, tournament. And it's been unfortunate to kind of have him be injured or he's been injured um, for Detroit uh, this season. But hopefully he's healthy and he can uh, be uh, – a nice piece for the Kings going forward. Yeah, there, oh yeah. There's we, one other. There's one other little hidden thing here that nobody's talked about with him. You want to know what that is? What is he it? is total Brock Besser bait. He and Besser are best friends. <laughs> I've heard about that. Yes, I've heard. So you never know when that little bit of tidbit is just put there. Like go back to Richardson Carter. You never know those little things you put there to make it a little more comfortable for somebody you're looking at drawing over and you give them a little more incentive to kind of look your way and maybe give you a little bit of a cap-friendly discount. There you go. Yeah, now we're talking. Now we're talking a little bit of uh, dynamic duos. Hopefully he's got that same or that same uh, companionship is going to work with Arvidsson and Forsberg. We'll talk a little bit more about some rumors that are going on, but Augie, that was awesome. I appreciate it. I'm going to move on. Not to, a problem. Uh, Thanks. There's some other people. Thanks, guys. No problem, man. Um, oh, yeah, we got we got Ryan on here. What's up, Ryan? You there, Ryan? Yeah, I'm here. What's up, Ryan? Um, I just kind of wanted to point out something I've noticed just during Rob Blake's tenure so far, and that's that he's really mastered the art of the low-risk trade. I mean – you go yeah. back to 2020, he gets Ole Mata for Brad Morrison. I mean, we all know Mata struggled in his first year, but he's really bounced back this year. And then yeah. he gets Victor Arvidsson for a second and a third, and look at the impact he's had so far. And he goes out today and gets Stetcher for a seventh. Um, I mean, I think he deserves consideration for GM of the year, just because... I mean, what he's brought in is so much more than what he's given up. And my question to you would be, do you see him sort of staying along that path of just getting smaller pieces here and there? Or do you think he'll transition into giving up more for some bigger pieces? Man, that's a, that's a, actually a really good question. Um, I, and I, it's a really good point that you make in terms of Rob Blake kind of – kind of hunting at the bottom of the barrel, I guess you could say. He's, and a lot of these players that he's picking up, Arvidsson coming off an in- injury, um, Stetcher coming off an injury, Ole Mata kind of got for cheap, yeah. Um, yeah, these these are kind of the trades that Rob Blake has been making. And in terms of GM of the year, I think the Deneau deal has pretty much kind of locked him up, I, I, in my opinion, for that. Because look what Deneau's pretty much been able to carry the team has been the MVP of the Kings this season. Um, as far as what if we'll see these type of moves going forward from Rob Blake? I think, I think he'll actually have to be forced into making something big. You you look at all the prospects that the Kings have right now. There's too many for for them to like. Just I mean, I guess they could wait, maybe hold off on having these prospects play a couple more years in the AHL. But 
man, there's so many blue chip prospects that the Kings have. I mean, I, we all know the the names: Brant Clark, Gabe Lardy, Quinn Byfield, Arthur Kelly. I'll go over over all of them. We all know the names, and you just have to envision that the Kings will be forced into making some type of big move um, to bring in a, a super sniper or uh, number one left defenseman and ship out some of these prospects. Um, so maybe he'll keep going. I don't. I don't envision Rob Blake being that busy tomorrow. Um, I think this Stetcher move kind of made it seem maybe it's the last thing he'll do, and and it's just more of a depth piece and. He'll just keep playing the kids just toward the end of the season, and hopefully they can kind of limp their way into the playoffs before or after people start to get healthy. So I, I would expect maybe come off season we'll see that big trade being made just because he'll have to be forced to make it, and hope maybe we'll, maybe it is Jacob Chicken. Maybe he brings in um, some sniper like Brock Besser that's been talked about. So we'll see. Uh, what's up, Pablo? You got you got something to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. I think tomorrow, I don't think we should expect much. Um, Blake did mention how there's not much to look for this trade deadline. And I think yeah. he saw the issue with the defense, and he brought in Troy Stetcher for he jumped on the opportunity to get a player like Stetcher for a cheap price, like a seventh rounder. And I think come tomorrow, we we're just gonna have to enjoy the rest what the rest of the league is doing because I highly doubt anything happens. I do think something big happens in the uh, in the summer, though. Uh, maybe Forsberg as bringing in Forsberg as an unrestricted free agent, or maybe he does jump on the Chikrin uh, Chik- Chikrin tri- trade. I mean, it's still rumored that Chikrin is on the market, and they're looking to move, and the Coyotes are looking to move him, and the Kings are still seriously interested in him. And I don't think it happens tomorrow. I think it it has to be an off season move. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of expected i mean i would say it's 64 well, probably even more than that that chicken gets moved in the offseason i just didn't envision a trade like that um being made just mid-season before at the deadline i mean look at the seth jones move uh, last season i mean that's something that's a trade with all the prospects moving and every all the pieces involved that's something that most likely gets made probably around the draft um but we'll see maybe maybe rob blake surprises us and a, a move like that gets made um, tomorrow. Joe, you got something to add to that? I was just going to say, I'll echo the sentiments um, that I, I suspect tomorrow to be relatively quiet, but uh, Ryan makes a great point about the kind of subtle and under the radar type of moves and uh, low risk moves that have turned out to pay dividends. But listen, where Blake is going to really make his money here, you know, is a, a figure of speech is he's going to need to make that big trade. You know, at some point yeah. in, the, in the next year or two, this team is going to be expected to be a contender uh, with all these prospects. And I th- I would imagine they're going to try to take one more kick at the can with Kopitar and Doughty. Um, so you've got a couple of year window there with these guys playing at the level that they're playing at. So at some point here, relatively soon, that big trade has to happen. And that's the one you can't miss on, right? You can't miss on Mike Richards or Jeff Carter type of thing and using the Dean Lombardi example. Um, So at some point that big trade is going to have to happen. I don't think it has to be tomorrow by any means and and that's fine, but um, that'll be interesting to see. He's done a nice job so far of of compiling what he's done, Um, but can he be able to pull off the the big impact trade to get this team to the next level? Yeah, and I've I've kind of compared – the trajectory the Kings are on right now to the early, the 2010, 2012 
um, that kind of range that that's kind of where the Kings are at. They're, they haven't made that Mike Richards move where they've shipped out a couple of prospects like Braden Chen, Wayne Simmons to bring exactly. in that main piece. So yep. we're still waiting for that move to be made and, and maybe it comes soon. Tiffany, you got more to add to that? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things I've seen the most with Blake and it's, it's a, uh, uh, it's a just sort of a funny way to put it. It's like, he's playing, you know, an NHL video game on like, all-star level and he's really good at it but he's afraid to make that trade he doesn't want to want to change things and like with him being a player and not having really much experience in the gm position when he got elevated i feel like he's been very conservative with that because he understands what the room needs so he makes a lot of good deals you know uh signing people and making trades at the, at the draft and all that but i i think I don't think this year, I'll echo everybody else's sentiment. I don't think this year is the year, but I think what we should watch for is a big deal in the off season, maybe, maybe at the draft, maybe after, but if not, then we're going to see something. I mean, next year is going to be the year. I think that we're going to see something huge and it's going to be massive. Not like Florida Panthers, mm-hmm. not having a draft, a first round draft pick for 18 years or whatever it is, but we're going <laughs> to see something big. Yeah. The Panthers are definitely selling all out for this year as, as well. They should. I think they have, uh, a team that could definitely win it all. And I would love, love to see a Florida Panthers, Colorado, Avalanche Stanley Cup final. I think that would just be probably one of the best finals in quite some time. Uh, My grandmother would Ro- cry. <laughs> yeah. You, just for people that don't know, Kevin's grandmother was at the 90, 1996, uh, one of the games for that, that final between the Panthers and the Avalanche. So that she was, was at a game nice four. Little... She was at the game, game four. Actually. <laughs> okay. That's perfect. Perfect. So, that was awesome, Ryan. I appreciate the input. Um, Based, you got something to add to that as well? Uh, I, I just kind of want to touch on what this depth on defensemen and how maybe it will it'll give Faber a little bit more time. I, I kind of see Faber signing and getting two, maybe three games at the end of this year. But I, I don't think by any means he's fast-tracked to the NHL, uh, even with how he performed at the Olympics. With Blake being a Hall of Fame defenseman, and this is something that kind of piggybacks off of what you guys were just talking about. Like, he knows what the room needs. He knows what the players need. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's going to be a little bit more patient rather than rush some of these higher-end defensive prospects. Because, I mean, the Kings have had a history of not really developing top-tier defensive prospects that have a lot of the tools. I mean, we we had Muzzin as an undrafted free agent. We had, God forbid we mentioned him, but Slava Voyanov. But outside of him, Slava and Doughty, we really haven't had anybody that's been higher well, than the Mar- top four ceiling. Alec, Alec Martinez is pretty good. Yes, but Alec Martinez... His best role was when he was a five, when he was like defenseman number five. When we had players get hurt, when Muzzin got hurt and we tried to elevate Marty, he was left exposed. And that may have been due to the depth we had on defense at the time. Maybe he didn't have as high Mm -hmm. of a quality of partner. But I mean, even over in Vegas, they play him in the fifth, sixth role. He's not a top four defenseman by any means. But yeah, he's a great defenseman. Yeah, I see that. I see that argument. I mean, I think Alex Martinez is definitely a top four defenseman. Just that's just my opinion. I mean, he's got a lot of versatility to his game, and um, but we'll see. 
we'll see how Stetcher and we'll see what Brock Faber, um, what what happens with Faber. I know he'll be moving on to the Frozen Four. That tournament's happening soon. So um, the exactly. Kings have five five prospects moving on to that tournament. Um, so that'll be a fun fun watch. I appreciate. it. I'm gonna try to get to everybody. I think there's a couple more people. I don't know who is first. It doesn't really show me. So I'm gonna move on to Robert. What's up, Robert? Can you hear me? You there? Hold right, on. If you don't, I'm oh, there. you there? What's up, Robert? Thanks for putting this together, Russell. Sorry about that. Yeah, no um, couple of points. Um, I think, you know, most people who have spoken so far and probably everyone on here could admit that with the current injuries to the, to the blue line, this deal probably doesn't get done. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it makes sense with all the injuries they have. Um, I think it was Ryan who pointed out online today that, uh, Stetcher played at North on the North Dakota championship team with Christian Willanen. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any connection there as well as with Edler or if they, you know, what they plan on doing with Willanen. Um, he may just be a depth Ontario guy. Um, but absolutely Blake does not, um, does not overpay with their assets. I mean, it's, it's yeah. value. It's a value play. You know, he's not going to go out and spend four assets on a on a chicken. Obviously, he hasn't done it yet. The ask is way too high. I like his um, his restraint in that respect, and I think that restraint makes sense in a season like this, where when the Kings, hey, they started one five and one, they're obviously not a one five and one team. They're also on track to get somewhere between 95 and 100 points. Nobody expected them to get 95 to 100 points this year either. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're ahead of schedule. Um, So I appreciate his restraint where I think there's a lot of Twitter folks who are just go out and get this guy without the foresight of, well, what does, what are you paying for that? Um, Mm -hmm. I had a question for, for Pavel, which you may know. I'm guessing Troy Stetcher is a good character guy. Um, that's the other thing that Blake and, and the whole uh, scouting team have seemed to draft in the last three, four years are are players with character and good locker room guys yeah. and guys who could all put a C or an A on their chest. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I wrote about this earlier today and talked about it earlier Uh He's a fan favorite in Vancouver. He everybody loved him, and in Detroit, everybody's everybody's saying how they're gonna uh, how they're gonna miss him. And he is an energy guy. Uh, he's loud in the locker room. He gets he gets the team going. Um, it, it seems to me that everybody in Vancouver and Detroit, like players wise and coaches wise, always had something positive to say about him. And he, he's he's a great locker room guy. So not only is this um, gonna help the team on ice, but you know, I I'd say he has that same energy level as Brennan Lemieux does. So while Lemieux's still out, you've got a guy like uh, Troy Stetcher out here and getting the guys going. And so, that, and that brings me to my last question: With Lemieux out, I don't know if anybody has any foresight into how long Lemieux might be out and and how bad it is. But bringing up all the points we just brought up and what you just brought up too, Pavel. A replacement for Lemieux potentially, Kyle Clifford. <laughs> now, yeah, that 
right? Okay, so he's on waivers. It wouldn't be a long-term signing. It's a low cost. He, let's face it, it's a business. He'd fire up the fan base. I mean, imagine how many heads would explode if the Kings went out and said, we're we're signing Clifford, um, and he's good in the locker room. Everybody loves the guy. So that's all I got. You no, can, you can mull I, that one over. <laughs> no, you're I, not the only one that's mentioned that, Robert. I think that's uh, as soon as everyone saw his name on waivers today, everybody kind of like, well, and made that same comparison. Well, with Lemieux out, um, yeah. the Kings are lacking that kind of tenacity right now. Um, Kyle Clifford's right there for the taking. I personally don't see them revisiting that. It's I kind of like, I don't. I mean, see yeah. And, and we don't have the insight into, you know, if Lemieux's going to be out one more week, I don't know if you go out and sign Clifford. If he's going to be out, a, you know, through the end of April, you know, what do you have to lose? You know, well, if, you get one, if you get one month of Kyle Clifford, you may sell some more tickets. <laughs> true, true. I will say for, for, for Brendan Lemieux, I believe the LA Kings shared a photo of him and Arbitson skating together just I believe it was yesterday at TSPC. Um, so I don't think Lemieux is going to be out that long. I know Arvidsson's been skating for a while. I don't know how long Lemieux's been skating for a while. We'll find out when the Kings get back to practice. I believe there's an availability with Rob Blake tomorrow. So yeah. hopefully we can get a little bit more insight in terms of um, maybe some injury updates on players like that. Yeah, uh, Robert? And that's that's probably the limiting factor is if he's yeah, out I, short I, term, yeah, it's a no-go. Sure. But anyhow... I appreciate Thanks. it, Robert. I'm yep. going to move on to, um, I think it's, looks like Cody, Cold Brew 1795. What's up, Cody? It looks like you're connecting here. Hello? You there, Can you Cody? hear me? Yes, hey, sir. Hey, guys. What's going on? Thanks for having me on. Um, so I just think, I know we've been talking a lot about the, um, about restraint, but I just think that we got to go kind of sell the farm. For this season. You know, you look back go. at 2012 with Carter, 2014 with Gabrick. I mean, you know, especially with this season being such a surprise, I just think you can't let it go to waste and you have to try to get better at the deadline. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, I think Kiffin wants to piggyback off that. What's up, Kiffin? Yeah, like I, I my thought on the deadline, like I, th- there, there are moments I agree with with Cody, like where I'm watching games, I'm like, you know, just having Jacob Chikrin on the blue line would be amazing. But the, my my thought is, and the reason that I think conservatism will win out the day for LA is, you look at the, you know, the 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 Richards, the Carter, the Gabrick trade, you know, and we hold those in high regard because they brought Stanley Cups to Los Angeles. Let's not forget yeah, yeah. the Sakara trade which happened at the deadline as well. You know, just trying to go out there and win sometimes backfires. And The Ben Bishop be, trade. The Ben Bishop trade, exactly. I loved Peter Budai. I'm, I'm a Budai fan. I'm putting it out there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's all well and good to think that. But we're still running – I mean, we're running on a five-year plan for the LA Kings, according to management. And to be in year four – kind of you know pushing the bounds of the playoffs we we can't jump ahead of schedule because that's how that's how your rebuild just completely goes off track you you jump too fast and you immediately fall apart again i think that conservatism needs to win the day in this regard we need to you know take take the playoff experience that we're probably going to get and use it for next year you know dustin brown said um 
said when uh, I think it was at the beginning of the 2014 season, he said that uh, the 20 the loss in 2013 to to the Blackhawks was was worse only because they knew what they had lost. Like mm-hmm. these guys, these kids need to learn what they're going to lose in the playoffs. You know, I mean, yeah, of course, if they make the playoffs, I'm going to be one of those people who says, we're, we're going to the cup. I'm going to believe in the team 100%. But if they lose, they get that, you know, they get that knowledge base, that that experience, that that gobsmacked moment of the playoffs. I think it's much better to just let it, let it happen, let it flow, not make a huge move. I think a stature move is a great move. Maybe bring in somebody, you know, like a middle middle or bottom six scorer who's out there and available that maybe they've been talking about, but – you know, selling the farm th- to today, tomorrow, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I think Rob Blake, and it, it's kind of like you don't really know what you have right now for the prospects, too. I mean, yeah, some prospects have, have had some time in the in the AHL. Gabe Velarde is probably one of the big names when we think about it. But, I mean, look at some of the other prospects. They're really playing. I mean, last season was really just kind of an abbreviated, just kind of like, here you go, let's just put an AHL season together, and you're going to be playing there. And they were all kids playing together. And that's kind of why the rain were doing kind of up and down. They weren't really that good because there were young kids playing in this professional league for the first time in their careers. So for Rob Blake, he's got to see what he has first and before he starts making those big moves. Because right now, there's some pieces to fill on the Kings roster, obviously. And you can't just trade a bunch of prospects to fill, to bring in one player when you still need, like, two or three or four pieces that are roster spots to fill on, on the for the franchise going forward. So it's, I, I get, I get the kind of wait and see aspect that Rob Blake is showing right now. You got something to add to that, Pablo? I mean, I think we all want to see the Kings make a huge splash, whether it's free agency or trade, but you know, there's a plan. Blake believes that, you know, He's done a fantastic job with the rebuild so far. And, I mean, he's slowly but surely making this team better. Arvidsson, Deneau, and, you know, Edler, even bringing in Edler. Such such big parts to making this team the way that it is. And, you know, from last year to this year, like, the difference is, it's massive. You know, just a few players have made such a big, such a big impact on this team. But I, I just, I feel like, the other name that's been thrown around with LA is Kulak, Brett Kulak from Montreal. But now that they've gone ahead and gone Stetcher, I don't think that Kulak's really much of an option. But I think right now, I think the best idea is to just wait, wait, get the team healthy, and then go from there. And then in the off season, you'll be able to uh, make that next big step. Yeah, yeah, it's just tough to wait second in the Pacific. Oh yeah, for for sure. I mean, like the Pacific race for the playoffs is incredibly close, and I mean Calgary's already destined first spot. That's a lock. But I mean Vancouver's been on fire lately. I mean Edmonton's starting to crawl back up, and I mean as much as we want to see Vegas completely crash and burn, it's they're, they're still a good team. They've still got a little bit of hope, and they're going to be active at the deadline too. They're, they're still looking for a goalie. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a close race, and I think we all want to see Blake make a big trade. But the smart thing to do right now is just hold on, you know, get the team healthy, and then once the team is healthy, we'll go from there and, you know, read and assess in the off season. 
Yeah, for sure. And then we we always, I mean, I was one of the ones that was banging the play the kids drum all last season. And this is kind of what, I mean, we're getting what we wanted. I mean, we wanted to see the kids playing. They're playing right now. So we can't expect the kids to play. And then all of a sudden, if they're not per, like producing like a, let's say a Quentin Byfield right now, we can't, we can't be hard on them because this is what we wanted. We wanted to see these kids in the, in their game right now or in the NHL right now. And they're getting games. I'm, I wasn't expecting players like Quentin Byfield to be producing quite a bit. I just wanted them to get their feet wet in the NHL. And I think this is really good for them before to show or to let Rob Blake see before he wants to make a big move. Cody, I appreciate the insight. I'm going to move on. Um, oh, yeah, we got my, my good buddy Richard Saravia here, one of the OGs of the Hockey Royalty podcast. What's up, Richard? You got something you, you want to say? You there, Richard? I think he's there. Hold on one second. And what's up, hockey fans? You know, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and over only. Restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 backslash visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP-7867 in Louisiana. 877-8-HOPE-NY backslash text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Again, you must be 21 or over, older to enter. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See http backslash draftkings.com backslash sportsbook for details. Let me move on to Richard, you there? All right. Uh, 
let's see, Johnny Utah. I'll move on to him. Johnny, you there? Johnny Utah. Hi. What's up, buddy? Is that Ricky? Yeah, it's me. Sorry. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Nothing much. What's going on with you? Nothing much. Just uh, excited, you know, like for this season. Like, uh, I I was really uh, happy with the, the one trade that we made so far. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna uh, you know I think if anything like the, I agree with what you guys were talking about earlier that the Kings well the guys that said the wait and see approach I totally agree with that because I think that this is not the right time to just go like for big swings right now it's still kind of early and if anything uh, all the prospects that we have that people want if they go on this, on this really deep uh, playoff run with the Calder Cups or end up winning the Calder Cup itself, then they're going to be worth, like, way more. You can get way more stuff that you actually need, like, you know, in the offseason. So I think it's better if you're going to trade a prospect, at least wait till he's worth a lot more. Because right now, most of them are too young. Some of them have a lot of injuries, like Turcotte. So they're not really worth, like, a lot right now. So if you're going to trade one of those guys, at least wait till they're worth something. And, right, and you know, let them play in the playoffs first. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because that's something that I've mentioned on our podcast is that, I mean, the Calder Cup playoffs, that's some that's that's some invaluable experience for players like Quinn or Quinn Byfield, Jordan Spence, Gabe Flaherty. He could probably, he'll probably be a part of the reign. Um, Samuel Fugimo, who's been lighting it up, he has uh, two assists tonight. I'm watching the rain game right now. They're losing 3-2 to Abbotsford, but he has two assists tonight, and he has, I believe, it's 12 points in the last 10 games. So, yeah, I mean – for that, those players to get that experience in the Calder Cup playoffs, that's going to be huge for their development, um, as opposed to just playing some some important games in the NHL right now. But just keep them in the NHL, keep them percolating, get, just get them those uh, valuable playoff type games, because um, that that's only going to help them in the long run. Um, you got anything else you want to add, Richard? If anything, I think that um, the other thing I want to add is that we don't really need to make a ton of moves either, because once we're 100 percent healthy. We can, we could be any damn team. I don't care who it is. But like the thing is, is that is that you know I want obviously I think everybody knows you know if you don't that I want Vegas in the first round because I hate them and I want revenge for 2018. <laughs> and I think if we're 100 percent healthy, you know I think we can kick their ass and they owe us. You know so I really want that really bad. And I think getting all those guys back is just as good as trading for guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're the only one. If I'm messing around with buttons, so if I've accidentally removed you, that's a total mistake on my part. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out as we go. Richard, I appreciate it. I'm going to move on to Johnny Utah. You, Johnny, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, bro? Hey, man. Hey, thanks for all the good coverage. I follow your Twitter all the time. Oh, I appreciate it. I, I just got back from Vegas. I actually went to the game. That T-Mobile arena is pretty sick. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, cool, cool, cool. I'm sorry about those, that that was the game you had to see, but yeah, exactly. So, real quick, here's my point, and I, I even harped and talked about it. And Nick Nixon on the on the radio last week on on Kings Talk, um, you know, with Lemieux out, and you know, it's been mentioned a few times. The Kings are pretty soft, especially on defense. And Nick even said the Kings could use more of a mobile McDermott type player. You know, McDermott's kind of, I mean, he's one of my favorite players, but he's you know basically a 13th forward, a 7D. But I think a lot of people forget. I even Rob Blake that the Kings won their cups. 
it was one stay at home tough guy, you know, tough defense, but not tough guy. But you know, uh, with the puck mover, you you had Dowdy with Scuderi, mm-hmm. you had Martinez with Green and Mitchell with Voinov, and the Kings have kind of shied away from that. Most of the prospects, Faber, Clark, these guys aren't like the toughest guys, or the biggest guys. I think instead of a stature, which is fine. I mean, number seven or goes to Ontario, but the Kings should be looking at a Jake Middleton, something like that, a bigger guy. Because when the Muse out, I, I'm a season ticket holder. Uh, especially the last couple of weeks, they've been getting crushed. Like Sam Bennett ran quick. No one did anything um, against mm-hmm. McDermott was taking runs of people. When we played Colorado. Like they, they need some more grit. I'm kind of shocked. Rob Blake, whose whole career was surrounded by guys like McSorley and Scott Parker in Colorado. Like he, does he see this? I mean, I, I don't know, you know? No. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, I don't expect Brandon Lemieux to be out too long. Uh, I just mentioned, I think, I think the LA Kings Instagram shared that uh, he and uh, Arvidsson were skating. I believe it was just yesterday. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, But yeah, I mean, that is something that they're lacking because watching the Florida game, the Colorado game, I mean, those are big teams and they were really showing um, their size against the team like the Kings, who was really just, I mean, I mean, look at the, look at the team that the Kings are, they're icing right now. I mean, all six of their starting offensive or defense have, were out for a couple of games. So, I mean, you got a lot of young rookies who are kind of just getting their feet wet in the NHL. They're not going to be face washing other teams. Some veterans that like that are going to step up to them. So it's kind of hard for them to get acclimated to that. Um, but hopefully Brendan Lemieux will be back soon. And then he can bring a little bit more of that tenacity and uh, that, uh, yeah. And some of the, some of that roughness that they've been lacking um, lately. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just Probably. going down going down to the wild cards and it's like Calgary, you know, good Branson, Zadorov, Lucic, Kachuk, Edmonton, Kane, Nurse, uh, you know, Cassian, like, you know, the Kings are going to have to play these teams in the playoffs potentially. And Brennan Lemieux, I mean, I love him. He's my favorite King, but you know, he's a six, two kind of middleweight, maybe kind of, you know, a light heavyweight, but they can't put it all on him. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think most of the NHL is kind of shied away from those enforcer types. And, Lemieux brings a lot more than just that tenacity. I think he was top 10 in Corsi 4 percentage in the entire league. So, I mean, yeah. he's playing mostly fourth-line minutes, but he still brings a little bit of a, I guess, I wouldn't say offense to, to his game, but he brings some puck possession to the game. And that's that's something that the Kings have really been lacking on the fourth line. I mean, we talked, like, Blake Lazat has been awesome, but maybe we're starting to see that chemistry that he had with Brendan Lemieux was really what was carrying his play. So yeah. hopefully yeah. we can get Brendan Lemieux back and hopefully he can um, solidify that, that fourth line for Lazat going forward. Uh, Kiffin, Pavel, you guys got something you want to add? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I really believe in building teams off of skill rather than physicality. But in this case, I completely agree that they're getting kicked around every game. Um, <laughs> I mean, the hits are always favored against the opponent and, it is just it's it's always tough to see you know your team go down like Lemieux out and Arvidsson, but in cases like this, I think the Kings really do need to find themselves a, a guy like Matthew Kachuk. Well, not you're not going to get Kachuk obviously, but you need a guy that can have a very good offensive game while managing to be the agitator and you know have a big body and you know lay a hit here and there and. Uh, I really like the name that you mentioned with Jacob Middleton because even with the analytics and uh, the visual, the visuals, I mean, not only is he a tough guy that can drop the mitts and stand up for his team, but 
defensively, he's he's a rock, and all he needs to do is find that offensive touch. And I really do believe that uh, he, that he that he could have a breakout season any any moment now. And um, amongst all like uh, rookie defensemen with market value, I believe he was like fourth or something like that. And he's a very valuable player to the Sharks and. Having a guy like Jacob Middleton on the left side of this defense is not only going to make this team tougher and scarier to play against, but it'll make it severely better. So I I, I would like to see the Kings make an inquiry on, on Middleton because his name has been thrown around. But they do need more physicality and they do need somebody that could stand up for the rest of the team. Yeah, and that's kind of why we're just kind of hoping Lemieux will come back um Soon, sooner rather than later. Kiffin, you got something you want to add to that? Uh, I mean, Pavel and I are we're, we're of one mind today. Um, you know, I was <laughs> I was looking at Middleton the other day, just thinking like that would be a really good acquisition. Getting him from the Sharks, of course, is always difficult. Um, you know, you don't really want to cede something to your division if you can help it. Um, I mean, we we at uh, Hockey Royalty we had a, an article that, that named Carson Soucy as a possible idea, and I'm still I'm still awed by by that idea um you know seattle seems to be kind of shopping out looking for picks i feel like we could probably get something for carson susie but right now i think what i think what we started to see over the last couple of years is this switch to finesse and skill and mm-hmm. you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to a point where the agitator is great but the agitator is not going to be the guy who drops the mitts necessarily he's going to be the guy that you know for lack of a better term irritate somebody to the point that they take a penalty and you know sitting back and saying you know that we need someone who's going to drop the mitts or be the tough guy maybe isn't the way to go and that's one of the things I've liked about Lemieux since he came to us I I never I never really saw him shine in New York the way he does with Mm -hmm. us but I mean he he is willing to drop the gloves obviously but he's more of a pest than anything else people get irritated at him and you know it's it's important that we that we do something like actually create a situation where we've got guys who are irritating other players to the point that they're making mistakes rather than guys who are standing up at the blue line and saying like, this is my team. Don't touch them. Yeah. And that transition that the Kings have gone from the 2000, from the cup year teams where they were just big bruisers constantly forechecking to more skill guys. We are seeing that. Yeah, definitely. But in order to bring in players, they're, they're bringing in players like Lemieux who can bring that, toughness and, and tenacity but as long as, as well as that puck possession and that offensive game um that's helped a little bit too and he's he's got a really high shooting percentage with the team just because he's willing to take those pucks in the net and he's he's, he's constantly hunting the puck and, and uh, maybe that's something that he's kind of gained playing alongside Blake Lazat because those two have looked really good together um Johnny that was awesome I appreciate it man I'm gonna move on to looks like Matthew Mr. Bucket Hat See if I can get him on here. You there, Matthew? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's cool. up, man? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No worries, I just bro. had a couple things that I wanted to kind of bring up or go over. Um, one thing I will go back to is kind of the chicken stuff. Um, I could be overanalyzing it, but I kind of feel like some people are kind of digging too deep into the Rob Blake stuff, saying there's nothing to look forward to just because I feel like I, he wouldn't come out and say he's cooking up a big trade. Um, I could be overanalyzing that, though, for sure. Um, also, I don't know about, you know, cap space and stuff like that, if we could even fit them in. Um, but I 
I think his last name, I think it's Pagnota, I think is how you say his last name. He was on the, the NHL Fantasy Podcast today, and he still said that it's a real possibility he gets deal, uh, dealed, and, or dealt, sorry. And um, he said that the Kings are more most likely still the front runner if he does. And um, he's borderline, he would be shocked if he doesn't get traded. Um, so I know everybody kind of, you know, feels like we're not going to make a big move this year, um, which I kind of get that sense as well. Um, I don't know. So I kind of just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know if anybody saw that from that podcast today. Um, I guess my thoughts on the trade deadline were I either want them to, you know, either go all in or if they're going to wait, wait. I don't really want to make like a, a average move for Connor Garland, you know, or something like that. That's not something that I want them them to do just because I don't think he moves the needle too much for them. Um, and so those were just kind of my thoughts. And I was kind of, I know I've seen you guys tweet about Connor Garland a little bit, but I was kind of curious on your thoughts and if you think they make a move for Garland or if they don't do anything at all. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't tweeted about Connor, anything about Connor Garland the last couple of days at all. No, I'm just Who is Connor Garland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. I mean, more of a blanket statement with all the I guess quote unquote rumors that have gone around I, I'll personally say I've tried to check in with the Kings management to see if, if maybe they can feed me anything I mean just look at all the they haven't given me nothing so and I think this is really something that's happened with Rob Blake they've been so tight lipped with everything that has gone on look at all the moves that Rob Blake has made bringing in Arvidsson was there any rumors connecting Arvidsson to the Kings before that happened Nothing. Right. Was there any rumors or anything connecting Philip Deneau to the Kings? If you had told me before that that the Kings were bringing in another center and we're going to pay $5.5 million for him, I'd be like, why? They already have Quentin Byfield. They have Gabe Velarde. Like, why do we need another center? And sure enough, that, that move gets made. And look at today, Troy Stetcher. Was there any rumors connecting Troy Stetcher to the Kings? I mean, maybe they, it, it kind of came up out of nowhere, maybe mostly because of the injuries. But So I'm kind of skeptical to, to be – to kind of lean into these these rumors that are coming out. I mean, Chikrin, yeah, Chikrin to the L.A., it just makes sense. So I wonder if that's why everyone's kind of piggybacking off of it. Because, I mean, you just look at what the Kings defense looks like now and going forward. I mean, adding a player like Jacob Chikrin would just really solidify the top four when you have players like Mikey Anderson, Drew Doughty, Brant Clark, um, and Jacob Chikrin. That's a pretty solid top four to have. And then you have like players like Sean Dursey and Brock Faber coming in. So to to hear all about all these rumors, yeah, I mean, I, we love talking about them. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I'll talk about Jacob Chicken to the Kings all day. I'll talk about Brock Besser to the Kings all day. But I think it's more or less just like we look at the fit of what the team needs and we see a player that's possibly available and we say, okay, maybe the Kings are interested. But do we really know for sure? I mean, it just seems like Rob Blake has kind of been so tight-lipped on everything you got something you want to add to that Kiffin yeah the, the, the tight lips thing I, I think he, he Rob Blake is just all about you know letting letting people people being the fans just sort of stew in ideas as as things have gone on you know we we do talk about Jacob Chikrin but I, I I'm I'm starting to feel like if we're gonna get Jacob Chikrin we need to have another piece coming back as well I mean I, I don't like to throw the b word around blockbuster but like it's it's got to be big. I'm you know it as time has gone on. When the chicken when the chicken rumors started, I thought you know this this would be great. I'd love to see Jacob Chicken in a Kings jersey, and I still would. But 
as we're going down, he, you know, he's been getting hurt and like, I'm, I'm starting to be, a, you know, a little bit skeptical, I guess, of what he could really do for the team in the short term. You know, obviously he's signed for a few years and he's 23 years old. He's, you know, all that, but, you know, I'm wondering if the trade shouldn't involve somebody else, you know, if we shouldn't be saying, you know, yeah, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you, um, where we'll take Jacob Chikrin, but we want, you know, we want Christian Fisher or um, Matias Michelli or something, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm starting to feel like we all kind of latched onto the Chikrin thing, like you said, Russ, but, but, you know, there's, there's more to be had out there than Jacob Chikrin. And like, I, now that we're here, here looking at the possibility of it happening and Dowdy's hurt. So now we're seeing, you know, now we're seeing what life without Drew Dowdy is like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, all right, well, let's pull the trigger. But at the same time, shouldn't we look for something that actually benefits us in many ways in the longer term? Because we, with Blake, again, Blake and the management team being so, so secretive sort of about what they're doing, you know, they're making these moves that are working. Perhaps there is something on the table that's more than just Jacob Chikrin. And that's why it hasn't happened. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with that 100%. I mean, I look at players that I mean that I've kind of been mentioned. Look at look at a player like Travis Sanheim. I think he would be a great piece to add um for the Kings and the, and the Flyers are are kind of in that I don't want to say they're rebuilding, but they it seems like they're kind of start, starting to sell off some big pieces there. Um Pablo, you got something you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about more pieces coming back than just Chikrin and the one perfect player that comes to mind is Lawson Krause. We were just talking about how we're missing physicality, how we could probably stockpile a little bit more on forwards, and Lawson Krause is just the perfect player. He's he 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 fights, he scores goals, he's a good playmaker, and most importantly, is he can hit and and the physicality and the size is there. And I think if you make a move for Chickering, you have to find a way to get Lawson Krause in the deal as well. At, at first. Earlier on in the year, I think Boston had interest in Kraus, and it was really close to happening. And then apparently the the Coyotes didn't want to move him. And as time went on, I think I saw this on Instagram actually really recently how they wanted to extend uh, Vey Melka or however you say it, but they wanted to extend him and Lawson Kraus. Uh, his name was on the market, and it got me thinking like. If you can find a way to get Lawson Kraus with Jacob Chikrin in the same trade, you know, you kill two birds with one stone. You got you got yourself you got yourself your heavy hate heavy hitting top six forward as well as your you know num- future number one defenseman or you know depending on Clark whatever. But you found yourself Chikrin and you found yourself you know someone like few sizes down, but someone on the same skill set as. Matthew Kachuk with the same play style. So I didn't yeah. want to say Lawson Cross. I was cons- like, I, I, I was thinking Lawson Cross too, but like, I didn't want to say it because it's like that. That's a that's a big ask. Like that's a that's a huge. Oh yeah, trade from it's us. a and huge like that- ask, and I think, I think the Coyotes are going to want a first round pick for him. But I really do wonder if the Kings, if they do make an inquiry on Chikrin, where do they stand on getting a player like Lawson Cross? I would love to see Cross with the Kings. I think if you can get them both, it's just gonna put the Kings over the top. Yeah, that's that's the trade. Like that's the trade. If you're gonna do the the big one that pushes you into true playoff contention, I think that's it right there. Yeah, we're talking blockbusters. That's a blockbuster right there. But yeah, just to kind of for those who don't know, Lawson Krause, 
six foot four left wing who's having a career year with the Coyotes this year with 32 points and 60 games played. I think he just had a hat trick uh, a couple games ago. So yeah, I, I've I've heard the Devils are, are a team that's interested in him. Um, I think it's Miles Wood and a pick for him is what I've heard. Um, but yeah, if if the Coyotes are willing to move on to him, that's somebody that definitely the Kings would love to have. Um, looks like uh, Matthew, I appreciate it. I'm going to move on to Socadia. I hope I'm, I don't know if that's your name, but I hope I'm saying it right. What's up, man? You there? Hello. Yo, hey, hey guys. Um, so I'm brand new to this. So, um, just wanted to say hi no and, and thank you guys for uh, doing this. Um, I just wanted to say a couple things and then, um, also maybe have a couple questions tied in. Um, I, I yeah, feel like pretty disappointed how things have gone over the last I mean it's been eight years since we had anything somewhat competitive and I went to Vegas um, when we got swept um, in that series against the Knights and stuff and I followed the team for a while but I, I just want to say that I think that Blake got really lucky this year that we have a couple of these kids like Dursey who is a revelation and I think he could become like a, a real superstar that, that he, he got his career with the Kings, in my opinion. I, first of all, I'm not a Blake fan. I don't like how he handled a lot of things as a player with the Kings. And um, also bringing McClellan in is McClellan is not my favorite coach. He, I mean, you could argue it back and forth, but he hasn't won anything. So um, I was really frustrated with that takeover from Lombardi. I mean, Lombardi made mistakes and uh, gave a couple of sweet contracts, reward contracts to some people that he shouldn't have. But I was always curious if you guys knew, like, how that transition from the Lombardi regime kind of went down. Because I feel like kind of Blake and, and Robitaille, and I, I haven't been happy with upper management and how the Kings are running as an organization for a while, like, also with some of the social justice stuff, whatever. I mean, you can have 10 opinions about it. I just have mine. But, um, like, how did that transition come about? Did Lombardi just quit or or did he get sort of ousted a little bit? But my, my main point is Blake got really lucky this year. And um, this is the first year he made some really good moves. I loved the no move. But looking overall, like, if this year wouldn't have happened the way it happened, and we were all way, already on the way, like, out October looked terrible. And then, so what I'm saying is, like, he got really lucky. I hope he gets it together and adds a couple pieces. But basically burning through five years of the core and kind of like, I mean, Kopitar is slowing down. Brown's almost gone. He might have played his last game. So I don't want to be, like, too contrarian and just uh, uh, aggressive here but like Blake for me <laughs> is like got really lucky I hope I hope it works out and we obviously have a ton of good players coming through the system but you know one a year year or two more of this and I really would have wanted him to, to leave and like let somebody else take a stab at it so um, but I guess my question is just about this upper management and change that happened with Lombardi if you guys knew anything about it I mean, I don't really know much about it, but I appreciate you, you coming in with the hot takes. I love it. Um, I don't really know too much about the Lombardi transition. I think it was more or less he was just kind of like made a couple big big trades that he was kind of trying to limp this team that was really just kind of coming off of Stanley Cup hangover 
back into that form again. And he, so he kind of forced was forced into making moves. We talked about the Sakara move, uh, the Ben Bishop move. He kind of just you – know, that's the one that mostly frustrate me, frustrates me because uh, losing Eric Cernak, that's huge. Gabrick, he's been able too. To do it to, yeah, and, and giving that contract to Gabrick. Um, yeah, and then the, the Lucic deal. Actually, I, I'm personally – I might be in the minority. I thought the Lucic deal was a good one. Um, personally, I mean, yeah, you lose uh, uh, Martin Jones and Colin Miller, but I mean, it is what it was. But Lucy actually brought, and unfortunately, he didn't resign. But yeah, I mean, I think it was just kind of like time, really, for Lombardi. I, I don't really think there's really much else to say about that. He, I mean, look, he brought two cups to the Kings that, that they hadn't won two cups or they hadn't even won one before. So I think it, Dean Lombardi is, is someone that's always going to be idolized with the LA Kings franchise based off what he does. And I think management now, I this year I wouldn't say Rob Blake's just been lucky. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the the team, the players, and the development uh, staff that he's been able to bring about uh, to help players like Sean Dersey excel with the Kings. Look at what it's just really cool to see players like Matt Green, um, Jared Stahl develop these young kids and become um, these players in the NHL. I mean, that's not that that's something that Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille have had direct hands on. To, to keep these players and keep these guys on board so that they can help develop this team. And I, I wouldn't call it luck. I think that's been a really good decision. And I think the Philip Deneau move was something that um, Rob Blake, that's going to be something that could probably bring a, a cup or two back to L.A. going forward. You got something to add to that, uh, Kiffin? You there, Kiff? Yes, yeah. Sorry, you're cutting out a little bit. Um, oh, I, sorry I must about No, no, it's probably on my end. Um, I'll say I, I can't remember which uh, someone who's maybe, you know a little closer to the to the organization than I am, than I am for sure. Somebody somebody tweeted a thread a few weeks ago. Russ, you maybe you may remember this or who did it? I don't know, but about um, about sort of what the last straw for ownership was for the Dean Lombardi era. And if I'm not mistaken, in that thread, they said it was basically the Sakara trade was kind of it. But um, so that that's kind of how I feel on that. But as far as luck, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm I'm all for the hot take. But I'll say, really, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think Blake is lucky. Rob Blake has been drafting really well since he took over the organization, and you have to remember we're in a full 82 game schedule for the first time since the since the 1819 mm-hmm. season. Like we're behind, we're behind on this, on this transition plan, how we're playing this year should have been last year. I, 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 I disagree with luck. I mean, again, I, I, you know, we wouldn't have Phil Deneau right now, if that was the case, if, you know, if, if the, or, you know, we wouldn't, we, we may not have Phil Deneau if we had had full, you know, full years, but I, I just, I don't see it as luck. I see, I see a rebuild that went well. Do I think that Rob Blake is the greatest the greatest general manager of all time? No, definitely not. You know, and he's gonna he's gonna misstep here and there. I'm sure. You know, for all that we're that we all are very happy about the Troy Stetcher trade, it could backfire on us. You know, we could make that big blockbuster Lawson Kraus Jacob Chikrin trade, and it could backfire on us. But I, I I don't think we got here by luck. I think we got here by by due diligence and good moves. So, guys, we got a we got an all star in our midst. The one and only Mr. Jesse Cohen wants to add add on to the topic. I'm sure he's got uh, an interesting take on what's being talked about. What's up, Jesse? Here for this. <laughs> you there, Jesse? Oh, it looks like he's 
I don't know if he's maybe getting his mic together. I think Joe wants to add on to that. What's up, Joe? Hey, yeah, I, I, I just I would like to say that that with Rob Blake, let's not forget when we're talking about Sean Dersey and how good he's been, that was a Rob Blake acquisition. Um, we look at what Trevor Moore has done in the season he's having. That is a Rob Blake acquisition as well. So I, I mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that it doesn't necessarily have to be a, you know, again, Brendan Lemieux, that's, a, that's an acquisition by Rob Blake. So I, I, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, hugs and, and everything like that and everything Blake touches turns to gold type of conversation. But I do think the unlock is a little unfair considering, again, like some of the players that we're talking about stepping in and filling roles and, and uh, Dursey was specifically mentioned that, you know, that was a quite as acquisition by Rob Blake. So, yeah. um you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, he's he's done a pretty good job, if, if we're being honest. And and kind of like I alluded to earlier, when the, the next test will be, can he make the big one to get him over the top? He's done a lot of nice yeah. things to get them to this point. Um, can he get them to a contender? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jesse, if you're, if you're there and you want to chime in, um, be my guest. But, yeah, just to kind of piggyback off what Joe said, yeah, those trades, that he made with Toronto. Look at look at those players that he brought in. Trevor Moore, Sean Dursey, Bryce Brentford, Carl Brentstrom, all players that have really really helped out with the You there, Jesse? Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear me. Are you at the game right now? Yeah, I am. Hey. Yeah, I'm at the rain game. There's nine minutes left in the third. Uh, I just want to throw this out there because I think Rob Blake has done a tremendous job adding to this team, but he has gotten lucky in one regard. And that is that Vegas and Edmonton are not having the seasons that other people expected them to. There's a tremendous amount of uh, disparity between the top teams and the bottom teams in the league this year. You look out in the East, their playoff rankings have been set for like a month now, and it's not going to change. Out in the West, if, if Vegas and Edmonton were having anywhere near the seasons people expected them to, and if Vancouver or Dallas were slightly better than they have been, the Kings would be in a neck-and-neck battle for a playoff spot. They might not even be, you know, considered a favorite to make it. So in that regard, he absolutely did uh, get lucky. But as far as the moves he has made, I don't think it's um, – somebody else mentioned this. Apologies, I didn't catch the name. But somebody else mentioned, like, I don't think it's luck when you consider Lemieux, Deneau, Arvidsson, Jersey, Moore, you know, even Spence now, mm-hmm. right, has come up. Like, these are all Rob Blake moves that have all taken this team from – one of the worst teams in the league to potentially a hundred point team. It's just out of the organization's control what the other teams around them do. And uh, like I said, Vegas and Edmonton are not having great seasons based on their expectations. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. I'm going to go back to the game. <laughs> oh, I appreciate, I appreciate your uh, input, Jesse. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, you look at what the Pacific has looked like this year. Yeah, Edmonton's kind of fallen off. Um, I know a lot of analytics people had Seattle pegged as a 90 plus point team. I never, I never envisioned that happening. I think they were just kind of trying to cover, cover the butts from what happened with the golden Knights. But yeah. Um, but yeah, you look at teams like, uh, Edmonton, um, Vancouver, who are really not really, I guess, playing up to their, to their billing. I mean, yeah, you can talk a bunch about Edmonton's goaltending, uh, Vancouver's defense. Um, maybe they weren't built to succeed. But those are teams with players that they have that should be playoff teams. So, um, yeah, Rob Blake, yeah, you could say he's been lucky this season. But in terms of building the team, I don't think it's fair to say that he's been lucky with that. Um, I think I think they've built a really good team. You got something you want to add to that, Pablo? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. Rob Blake has done 
a tremendous job with the rebuild. And uh, to add on what Jesse said, it's it's true. Like the Kings have gotten incredibly lucky that the Oilers and Golden Knights have failed to meet expectations, making the Kings a, a sort of a playoff lock. And I mean, we're definitely ahead of schedule. I don't think anybody expected the Kings to be second in the Pacific. Not not the analytics models. I mean, not even. I can tell you one thing for sure. I think for everybody, this is a complete shock that the Kings are so good at the way they are, and it's all it's it's a huge thanks to Edmonton, Vegas, Vancouver, and all those teams for not living up to their expectations. And I do think Rob Blake has had his holes and he's had his issues, but he is a tremendous general manager and he's done a great job with the Kings. And I believe that if there's a general manager that I think could lead the Kings to the Stanley cup, it's, it's Rob Blake. Yeah, for sure. Um, looks like, hold on one second. This Mr. Gabe Velarde's gold chain wants to add on. I believe he wants to add on to this topic. What's up, man? You there? Yo, what's going on? Mr. Gold. Gold Yeah, what's up, man? man? I'm Zach from uh, Los Angeles Hockey Club Facebook page. I see a couple of my buddies listening in right now. Um, you know, the, what's funny to me is a lot of people, you see a, a lot online, like the hate of Rob Blake and stuff like that. And I think it's because people, one, are impatient and whatnot. But I also don't think they're paying attention to the plan. Because if you would have asked anybody, not people who are in the know and know or anything like that, but people who are paying attention, we didn't think the Kings were going to make the playoffs this season. And if they were, they were going to squeak into like the wild card spot. You know, I think that was expected. Yeah. You know, so to... To sit here and say, like, Rob Rob Blake has gotten extremely lucky, I really don't think he's been paying attention to the moves he's been making and the people he's been drafting because he's been drafting extremely, extremely well. You know, I think almost all of his draft picks have, have been pretty spot on besides maybe, like, I don't know, like, Turcotte's been injured a lot, whatever, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, one one thing to me that, that really um, stuck out with Dean Lombardi that I knew it was the end for him is I can't I can't remember who the interview was with, but he said I knew how to build a winning team. I didn't know how to sustain it, and it showed through and through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> our cupboards were bare. We had long albatross contracts that were just absolutely terrible. And I get it, man. Like people look at it through like the rose tinted glasses. You know, like oh, I love Dustin Brown and I, I love Drew Doughty and I love Rob Skidari and stuff like that. And it's just like. Yeah, man, but it's a business too, and you want to keep winning. So, you know, I think a lot of people uh, at uh, uh, Eric Wallenberg is listening right now. Is at the state of the franchise in 2016 is when D. Lombardi said that. Uh, you know, I knew how to build a winning team, didn't know how to sustain it. So that was kind of to me like <laughs> I have no confidence in this GM anymore. Yeah, and, and uh, part of it, another one too, is the Marion Gabbert contract. That's another one that was kind of like. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, I don't remember the the term yeah. on it, but it was pretty long, so I didn't really. That was a big issue, and it was just like, um, yeah. It was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go no. Ahead. I was gonna say, and one thing that I, I really feel like like uh, Rob Blake may have messed up was trading uh, Marion Gabrick for, for Dion Phaneuf, and the reason being, Marion Gabrick straight went to long term injured reserve and never came back. You know, that would have been that would have been cap space <laughs> that we could have used at the time, but you know. That that's pretty much yeah. That, that's the only thing I can really think of that sticks out. That like, oh, Rob Blake fumbled that one. Well, the Ilya Kovalchuk one that that might be one yeah. that we can talk about a little yeah. bit. But yeah, I mean, that's another 
another argument is how he was used with his time with LA. Hundred percent. Yeah, you're you're kind of just trying to. I don't want to say force things, but just trying to get some, um, get a little bit more life and get some more playoff aspirations to the team. But yeah, um, and a lot of people were upset. You know, fans were upset, voicing their opinions. I think season ticket sales were down and stuff. So, you know, I feel like he, he yeah. probably felt like he needed to do something, but you know, that something probably shouldn't have been signing Ilya Kovalchuk. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. um, I was going to ask a question. I'll, uh, I wanted to ask if. Because I mean, we all saw the you know Connor the the Connor Garland uh, saga uh, the yesterday, which I hundred percent agree with you. Um, but you know, if if we're not going to make a trade for like a top line winger, you know, and and I say in quotes top line winger because I really don't think Connor Garland is a top line winger. But you know, what about chasing someone like Philip Forsberg in free agency? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for that. I'll beat that drum all the way until July 1st or whenever free free agency starts. I think Philip Forsberg. You look at what the team needs right now. It's a top line sniper. One hundred percent. I mean, that's that's something the team has needed for a decade, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the, if Philip Forsberg is there and available, I think the Kings have to figure out a way to get that contract to fit in the books. Because that, I mean, it's going to be a hefty deal. You're talking about probably at least 8.5 mil, maybe even 9 mil for at least five, six years. And is he worth it? I absolutely think so. Especially oh, 100%. With, yeah, especially with that chemistry that he has with Victor Arvidsson. Look at that thumbs down um, emoji or whatever that he shared once Arvidsson got traded last year. So um, I know... And uh, Adrian Kempe, Arvidsson, and uh, Forsberg all played on the same line together at the World Championships. I think it was in 2016 for Sweden. So, yeah, if, if the Kings have the availability in the cap space, that's somebody that they should definitely try to recruit. And I'm sure Victor Arvidsson will be the first person on the phone um, with Philip um, come uh, free agency. Oh, dude, but... I'd probably faint and probably have an orgasm <laughs> at the same time, man. Sorry for being on BG. <laughs> you're not... No, you're not the only one. You're not the only Whoa. one. I'll probably join you in on that one. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate I appreciate that. Uh, looks like we've been going for like an hour and twenty five minutes. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, looks like who Royal Rant? You there, bud? I'm here. This is Ryan from the Royal Rant. How you guys doing? What's up, Ryan? How's it going, man? Hey, did the Kings play yesterday? Uh, yeah, they did. Okay, because I just saw a bunch of guys with golden lids skating around, shooting in, pumping in goals like there was no no tomorrow. I wasn't sure if they actually if that was if I was was seeing what I was seeing. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was I saw there was some, there were a bunch of guys dressed up like knights. I, I saw like a an old lady playing nickel slots in that arena. It was a wild scene. Do um, they have slots in that arena? I haven't, no. I can't I <laughs> I mean, I've never been there. Everybody, everybody says it's great. I, I guess I should yeah. go check it out one of these days. I'm just hating on Vegas because that—that's what I do. That's my thing. Yeah, you're not the only one. Not the only I one. do have a serious question though. Who do you think has better hair, Sean Dursey or Trevor Zegras? Oof. Oh man, I think Dursey's got the lettuce for that one. That, okay. That, those locks look pretty good. I, I would agree. And, it, and, you know, it always takes three or four years to develop defenseman's hair, you know. It's at a premium. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I got to point out. trait that you need to look for. I got to point out, Jersey's hair, like, two years ago, foul. That, I don't, it, it was like a mohawk or, 
I don't know what it was. It was disgusting. It was awful. <laughs> so this is another thing that maybe we can credit Rob Blake for. He got Jersey's flow game back in shape. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't. I didn't expect us to talk about Sean Jersey's hair, but here we are. I, I love it. <laughs> well, anyway, so actually, I guess I do have a real question. Let's see. Um, amongst these latest recalls from um, Ontario, uh, Velarde, Ferk, Spence, Moverare, um, Rasmus Kupari. Who do you think has maybe looked the best lately? The best. Um, oof, that's a good one. I don't know. I, I would say just because of the situation, I would say it's Jordan Spence. Um, no one expected Jordan Spence to be getting play time with the Kings this season. I mean, we talk about it and kind of joked about at the beginning of the year with with some of the injuries that happened to Dowdy and Sean Walker. But I think since Sean Dersey has been able to step into the game and step into a vital role for the Kings, I mean, you, you, Sean Dersey was kind of like an afterthought in terms of just letting him keep developing in the AHL. So for him, and especially the type of game that he plays. I mean, he was playing in the Quebec, Ma- Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which is not known to be a good league in terms of development for NHL players. And that was just last season. He was, he was playing with junior players. And now he's getting NHL playing time um, with the Kings and playing pretty well. I think he led the team in minutes with like 26 minutes the other day. So I think yeah. that's somebody that's kind of impressed me. I, I know Gabe Velarde's actually had a really good – um, nice couple of games back. Rasmus Kapari had a goal in his first game back. And I, that's the player that I want to see play more on the wing. But I think you got to talk a lot about what Jordan Spence been able to do in, in terms of coming into the um, – to play a vital role for the Kings um, these last couple of games. I mean, they, have, they haven't been playing that great as a team. But just be able to eat up some minutes um, for McClellan, I think that's been huge um, just recently. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think Spence has really opened some eyes. And I also think Rasmus, he's kind of come back. He looks, I don't know, he looks like a, a different player a little bit. Like, you know, something yeah, I, like he's maybe trying to take advantage of this uh, this opportunity or he's eating his Wheaties or something's going on. He looks no, different. I, I, I 100% agree. And there was one point right before he got sent back down where he was taking the puck um, into the zone. He cut across the slot, and then he looked to defer the puck to one of his teammates. And then I was thinking to myself, as soon as that play happened, man, if he just throws that puck on net, something's going to happen. I think he needs to do that more. And sure enough, in his first game back, that's exactly what he did. Made a nice move to the slot and threw the puck on, and sure enough, it went in. So I I, I appreciate Royal Rant. I'm going to move on to – or actually, looks like Kiffin and Pavel. Kiffin, you got something you want to add on to that? Yeah, I just I, I wanted to put my two cents in there on Rasmus Kapari. I mean, I, I, since his call back up with all the injuries and that, I mean, I, I was on the fence of like, you know, if he's got to go, he's got to go. But I, I don't know. The, the last couple of games since the call up, I mean, he has just been flying around the ice. I can't look. I mean, I, I live in Texas, so I'm not at the games. But I mean, I can't look at my TV screen without seeing him on there when when his yeah. lines on the ice. He is just it, it, he he passes the eye test. He you know, he, he's just so – there's so much more poise now uh, since his call-up. Like, it's – something was going on, I think, and he needed to just kind of take a minute to breathe. And maybe it's because of the depth of the rain roster that he was able to kind of take a step back and say, like, oh, I need to find my role. I need to this, that, or the other, whatever it was. I mean, he's 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 really impressed since he came back. Yeah, I, just, I can't say enough good about Rasmus Kapari. Yeah, and I wonder if it's the- – the transition to the wing has really helped him. And that's something actually McClellan talked about in one of the press conferences. I forget which game it was after, maybe the Florida game. But 
we're starting to see Kupari, instead of taking the puck at defenders, he's starting to skate around defenders. And he needs to utilize that speed. And that's something that we were kind of hoping to see from Adrian Kempe when he was first up with the Kings. He wasn't using his speed a lot. He was trying to attack players and, as opposed to going around them with that speed. So we're starting to see that a lot more from Kupari. And that's that's really good. And hopefully he continues that on the wing. You got, uh, Pablo, you got something you want to add to that? I mean, I, I totally agree with Kupari. Um, I think his confidence right now is through the roof. I mean, you saw that goalie scored against the Panthers where he went around the defenseman, put it on his back, and it just squeaked in by night. And I think that one, I think he went for that move. And once he pulled it off, he, he just knew that that was his move. And he's been trying to do that a few times now in the last couple of games. I mean, he, he tried it against the Panthers. I didn't get a chance to watch it against the Golden Knights, but I'm sure that he was flying out there. But the one guy that stood out to me since his call-up has been Gabriel Velarde. Uh, Gabe Velarde. Um, I think his two-way game has improved so much since he, he was sent down. And, I mean, it was a huge issue last year was, you know, some of the positioning and, you know, stick work and all that. But coming back now, I think he's much more energized. He's been a far better two-way forward. And, you know... I think he's been playing with a little bit of physical edge as well as, you know, really speedy and crafty type of hockey. And I think I think he's definitely deserved a spot on this team. And if I have to be completely honest, if we're talking about a trade and we're looking to move one of Velarde or Turcotte, I have more confidence in keeping Velarde than I do with Turcotte. Yeah, I- It'll be interesting to see if one of those players gets moved, but I think that's another player that the transition to the wing has really helped. I mean, when you think about the center position, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, and maybe that's something that Velarde wasn't really ready for. Maybe that's not built into his game, and that's totally fine. I mean, look at look at um, look at what's happened with Rasmus Party. We just talked about him. It's helping his game right now, and maybe that helps uh, Gabe Velarde's game. Um, but I think we should maybe bring in. The guy who's been banging the Gabe Velarde drum, Mr. Colin. What's up, Colin? You got something you want to add? Or you got a question? Yes, sir. What's up, man? All right. So first, I wanted to agree with the fact that Velarde is much more reliable, and I definitely have a lot more trust in his future with the Kings than Turcotte. I agree with Pavel. I'm way more comfortable trading Turcotte. He just didn't show much. I wish he was a little more aggressive like he is in the AHL trying to take pucks. But he just looked a little lost out there. And I wish we had seen more from Turcotte, and I hope he can turn it around. But right now, Velarde is the best prospect that has shown himself in the NHL over the last few years. He's the highest producer of all of them. And I think there's a problem, especially with Byfield, that uh, there's, a, there's a double standard. Uh, Byfield is often given a lot of leeway because he's the number one overall pick. Whenever he makes a mistake, it's just growing pains or whatever. But Velarde gets sent down to the AHL. And I think Velarde or Byfield needs to be treated with the same kind of um, retooling and um, development path that Velarde went on. Like I tweeted the other day that uh, Byfield should go back to the AHL. He needs to develop a little more, gain some more confidence, and especially work on getting the puck deep. I mean, that's cliche, but he can't do it very well. No, yeah, and I I think that's a good point because, um, I mean, I was actually one of – I would have been okay with Byfield staying in the AHL all season this year. Um, but I think I think that my, my tone kind of changed on that because of how well he was playing in the preseason. 
And then unfortunately he had that ankle fracture that, that took him out all the way till Christmas. And then he had COVID and, um, I don't know, maybe they, maybe you had a chance to kind of keep him in the AHL, but really for a team like the Kings who are gunning for a playoff spot, I mean, who would be a better third line center for the team right now? There's not really made that many options, I guess, um, for the team. So maybe. Yeah, that's the only thing Byfield has, like, to stay in the AHL is that they're so invested in keeping Velarde at wing that uh, Mm -hmm. Byfield has to stay at center because we don't really have a 3C because they seem they wanted to put uh, Anderson Dolan at wing when he was there. I thought he should, they should play him at center instead of Byfield right now because I think last season we saw a lot of flashes of greatness with Anderson Dolan at center playing with Moore and Grunstrom. We were all super happy about how that line produced last year. They were one of our best last year. So to, I don't get why they changed J- uh, Jad to wing because I know they were very invested in seeing Byfield thrive behind Deneau and Kopitar. But I think Byfield just needs a little more seasoning and getting a little more confidence. And he seems to just do a little too much out there when he can make the simple play. But he just he tries to beat guys. He tries to deep past them. He tries to, and he just he plays like he's five nine, when he's six, <laughs> like six five. Yeah, and I, that's something that I think Byfield once he learns to utilize that big frame that he has, he's going to be a, a force and. And maybe he hasn't needed that to use that when he was in juniors. He could just use his speed that he has, so he didn't really need to um, utilize that frame. And yeah, he's just like not used to people shoving him off the puck all the time. Yeah, exactly. So he's losing a lot of those puck battles. But that's, I mean, I'll, I've been saying it. I think that's just growing pains. And if you want to th- thrust a 19-year-old into the NHL, um, this is kind of what you expect. So I'm not really disappointed with his production. Um, right now, Joe, you you want to add on to that? Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm a huge Gabe Velarde fan, and I think anybody that's that's listened to Making It Rain or 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 read anything that I've written at, at Hockey Royalty, it's that I think that the switch to wing and the move down to Ontario was was exactly what he needed, uh, and I think the difference between the comparisons to, you know, you, you talked about if if Byfield has a few bad games, I do think it's a little bit different. Like Velarde was kind of unfortunately thrust into playing two C pretty much really early in his career that he clearly just wasn't ready for. But that said, he he, he hasn't looked good as a center in the third line role either. I mean, Quentin Byfield is this is the best third line center option for this team right now. And I think it's a perfect scenario for him uh, and for the Kings in his development that they don't have to let him play second line center minutes and, and really be kind of, you know, hemmed in his own zone and, and struggle with production. But I think playing third line minutes, but still being getting a taste of NHL hockey and seeing some, you know, playing those types of roles, he's playing some, he's getting a little bit of power play time at this point. But, you know, if they decided to keep in Ontario, I would have been fine with it. But I, I do think this is a perfect spot for him and the Kings to play third center. Uh, and I think Velarde should be in the NHL, and I think he should be on a wing somewhere, whether it's Byfield's wing or whether it's a top six wing. I Kobe love what he brings. Sure, sure, I love what he brings. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's great in the bumper role uh, on the power play. He played it in Ontario. I thought he did a great job. So I, I think he brings a lot to the table um, as a as an offensive forward and a, as a winger. And it's okay. Like he he struggled as a center to drive play. Um, 
so I think they recognized that and they made the move. Um, so I, with Byfield, I, I think I like them both, but I think Byfield, the, he is the best option for the Kings third center right now. And I think that's the reason he's up. And I think that's the reason he should stay up at this point. Um, but again, love, love Velarde. And I think the move to the wing is big. What I'll be interested to see is as guys get healthy, is he on his way back down um, or will he end up sticking? I guess that remains to be seen. I have yeah, one more question for you, Russ. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so about the uh, right defense and situation, we have a clog as everyone knows. So this off season, if you had to package one or two of them with a forward or just one of them, which ones would you be willing to trade? So it's obviously not going to be Clark or Doughty. Obviously, we know that. So would it be Roy? Would it be Dursey? Would it be Spence? Or would it be Faber? Uh, that's that's a difficult question. And there's a lot of – it's hard because you look at what Jordan Spence has done in, in the league. Look at – I mean, Matt Roy is, is just steady Eddie. He, he brings a really solid defensive aspect to the game. Um, and that's something that the Kings – might need in the future and uh i don't know it's it's hard i i will say maybe jordan spence sean walker's also still on the team so that's probably i would say that's probably the first player i would probably move because he's got a lot of term um not a lot of term he's got a couple of years left on his deal and a little bit of uh, money tied to him as well so if you're trying to bring in some bigger pieces you're gonna have to try to ship some money out because the kings whether they like it or not they're quickly becoming a cap a cap team so if you're going to have to start moving money out, I would say Sean Walker's the first one, the first name I would look at. Jordan Spence might have a lot of value right now because of what he's been able to do in the NHL just in his short time. I really like what I see from Bach Faber. Obviously, Brant Clark is going to be great. Sean Dursey has been a revelation for the team this season. So in terms of trying to make a move, I think, in terms of trying to unclog a lot of that depth that you have on the right side, I think Sean Walker and maybe Jordan Spence is the name because you got to remember another another name, Helga Grounds is another name that's going to be coming up soon too. So it'll be tough to see, and that's something that the Rob Blake will have to make a decision about. Um, Joe, you got something you want to add on top of that? The only thing I'll say to that with, with is with if Faber, he's not been a guy that's produced. Uh, yeah. Not to say that like he has to, but he. Uh, his production is not going to come at the NHL level when he turns pro. At least I wouldn't expect that to be the case. And and there's people that have seen a lot more of Brock Faber than me. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But I, I don't know that you all of a sudden go from a, a modest point producer in college to all of a sudden you're somebody that's going to put points up. And not that that's everything, but I guess what I'm getting at is if you have all these other players, the Brant Clarks and, and you know, you, you just went through the list. And, and don't forget about Helge Granz in there, too that are they project to be some pretty offensive ta- offensively talented players so Brock Faber better be outstanding as a defensive defenseman and at 6 foot he's not necessarily going to be necessarily that physical presence so I'm I'm trying to see and I'm not that's not to say that I don't like the player but if I'm looking at a at a crop of options of guys to trade he's not going to be this elite offensive defenseman will he be that as a defensive defenseman Maybe, but I kind of think Matt Roy is already that guy. If Brock Faber has has a high trade value right now, and I'm obviously not a GM of other teams, so I don't know where he's how he's viewed elsewhere, but he's kind of the guy that that 
I think I would turn to in this scenario. I just don't know what his ceiling is. And I think uh, he does have a lot of value in that respect because everything I've heard about him is that Saber is a guy who's reliable on defense. Maybe not the most physical, but he's responsible. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like Roy. Because Ro- Roy's not the biggest guy either. Like He'll lay a body sure. once in a while, but he's super smart. And that's what Faber is. So Faber's definitely a guy you would consider trading because he doesn't have the offensive output on defense that the Kings are looking for, like a Clark or a Dursey or possibly even a Grands. But um, so you might want to move. We, we obviously have to see Faber in the AHL later this season because I believe he's, he can turn pro pretty soon. So we'll have to see. Yeah, exactly. And And again, that's not to say that I dislike the player, but just considering the other guys around him and perhaps his perceived value with the Olympics and, and we'll see how his, the end of the college season goes here and then how he does not as he turns pro in a few weeks. Um, but that's, that's, I know that's kind of why I, I lean on favor, if you will. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. Cause yeah, we've only hyped up Brock favor ever since the Kings have drafted him. Cause look at what he's done. World Junior, he's been frozen four with Minnesota. He's been leading that team. He's a, an Olympian now. <laughs> I mean, there's yep. there's a lot of accolades that are, are surrounding Brock Faber, and his name is only popping up. And maybe that's something that'll entice a team that needs a, a good right shot defenseman in their prospect pool. So, yeah, if we're talking trade, I mean, Brock Faber, that's that that could be a big name piece that the Kings attach because of what. And I think a lot of it has to do with what Sean Dursey's been able to do with the Kings this season. Um, Because I think he's just kind of solidified his spot with the team um, now and going into the future. Um, Guys, we've been going for an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, This has been awesome. I'm going to go ahead and end it. Uh, I really appreciate all the support. You guys are are freaking awesome. I wouldn't be able to do all this. And all of us at Hockey Royalty wouldn't be able to do all this without all all you followers. Um, Just kind of speaking for everybody, I'm sure. um, We really appreciate the following. And hopefully – the Kings get healthy and we make a big playoff push um, toward the end of the season and make some noise in the playoffs. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and end it right now. Uh, I'll try to get this up and uploaded um, and hopefully up shortly and let's get some sleep because who knows, maybe Rob Blake makes a, makes a big move tomorrow. So good night, everybody. Forsberg will be an LA King by tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. Thanks a lot, Russ. Thanks for the rest. Hey.